0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the ID Podcast, where we're sitting here today in probably day 372 of the quarantine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, it's been a long time since the COVID-19 pandemic has kind of forced social distancing measures in. So I think that uh, the episode today, we wanted to highlight the, the big elephant in the room. But I think we wanted to take a little bit of a different light on it and talk about some of the positive stories that have come out in this time of difficulty. And my co-host, Grinder had the opportunity to sit down with two of our classmates and discuss a new project that came about during this. Grinder, do you want to tell us how it went?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for introducing me, Namin. Uh So I, I had the pleasure to sit down with Mackenzie and Marina from Max. So they're some of our classmates in first-year med with us. Great people, great leaders, and they're some of the people who kind of took the charge in creating an initiative at MAC. There's no official name for it, but what I'm going to call them lovingly is the Informal Babysitter Club. And that's something that they coined themselves in the interview, actually. I thought it was great. Um, and essentially what they what they did was, in response to this pandemic being hit and this extra free time that all these type A personalities have been receiving in our class recently... They banded together with our classmates and created an initiative where we could support the frontline workers, even though we weren't able to help in a clinical way, because we had been pulled from our clinical environments of learning. Um, So I I know it's been quite a bit, like you said, 372 days. But do you remember where you were exactly when this whole uh, pandemic news started coming down?
0: Oh, Gurinder, do I ever remember when it really hit me? Um, Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. I was sitting in... Uh, MDCL which is our medical school building at McMaster with a few of my fellow student council members and we're having a meeting talking about COVID-19 and how this might change and what this might mean for the medical school and just speculating because we really didn't know much of what was happening and it was like an evening meeting and then I think I was checking Twitter I zoned out a little bit I apologize I do that sometimes and then uh, (laughs) there was a tweet that said the NBA season has just been cancelled. And then I, that's what, that's when my world ended, but that's where we all... And then, like, <laughs> no, just a bunch of people started realizing and more tweets started coming in, NHL started season ended, and I think we started to, like, snowball into what this is, actually appreciate the magnitude of what this might be. Um, but I think from that, I think the next day or the day afterwards, McMaster shut down, sent everyone online, and then we really started to adapt. We got a weekend to kind of gather ourselves, and then we came back, and it was online, and that was it.
1: Yeah, and I think the most amazing part of it all is how quickly students responded to it. I mean, I think it probably took a day or two before I started seeing Facebook posts of, hey, I have this free time. I want to get organized. Who wants to get organized with me? And these small little grassroots calls have been ringing, ringing out across the entire country and groups of students and non-students alike have come together to make the most of this amazing time, amazingly difficult time. Um, and it's just been great to see. And I thank Marina and uh, Mackenzie for joining us in studio for the interview.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that that's what you get when you, I think you said earlier, type A personalities, with a bunch of time on their hands, um, realizing this need for healthcare workers, that's doctors, nurses, administrators, technicians, having difficult to do their day-to-day tasks with childcare and pet care and groceries. And I think that the response from the community was fantastic. The uh, organization and the initiative shown by our classmates was truly inspiring. And I think that um, everyone's really going to enjoy this interview and maybe a little bit of a positive story in light of the difficult times that we're going through right now. So without further ado, I'm going to send it to Grinder, not here, but in a virtual studio recorded a month ago (laughs) with Marina and Mackenzie. Enjoy guys.
1: All right. Welcome back to the ID podcast. Uh, we're here today in our virtual studio with Mackenzie and Marina. Uh, would you guys like to introduce yourselves really quickly?
2: Okay. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, my name is Marina Liu, and I'm a first-year uh, first medical student at McMaster University. And yeah, I've just been enjoying some idle time off school recently and getting some reading and writing done.
3: Um, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Mackenzie. I'm a first-year student at MacMed as well, and I'm looking forward to talking to you.
1: Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I know you guys must be busy with uh, preparing for tutorial and all the other amazing things that we do on a daily basis. Um, and I'm sure Mackenzie's busy knitting away as well. So thank you for taking uh, you time out. to talk to like us. that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what, though? Knitting is great for hand dexterity, and it's also good for mental focus, apparently. So I'm totally on yeah. board with knitting.
3: My procedural skills are going to be great. That's totally why I'm doing it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, Some people like to do hand knots with floss, and then others like to knit. But either way, you get to the same <laughs> end point. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for introducing yourselves. I'm really excited to have you guys on today. Um, I guess I'd really just like to start by getting to know kind of the context of uh, your situations. Where are you guys situated right now? Are you back home? Are you in Hamilton?
3: Um, so I'm uh, still in Hamilton. Uh, the very first weekend that our classes were canceled, I went home to see my family, you know, sort of for the last time in a while. And I love them very dearly, but I'm choosing to love them from afar right now. <laughs> so it's uh, me, my housemate, and my cats are isolating in Hamilton. And so far, it's been, it's been pretty relaxing.
1: That's and awesome. Well, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it helps having cats around the house. It uh, definitely breaks up the boredom and gives you some interesting personalities to handle.
3: Yes. And during all my tutorials, uh, there's always some form of disruption because, you know, they're kittens and they'll cause a problem. And I'm like, hey, stop that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's been a common theme, the pet invasion of tutorials. And I love it. I'm I'm all here for it. Yes. (laughs) How about yourself, Marina?
2: uh yeah i'm also in hamilton right now and i'm missing my dog who's at home with my parents sadly uh yeah so my mom works at a hospital so we're mostly just keeping ourselves apart for now uh so i'm here with my brother uh my apartment here downtown and um it's been kind of i think i agree with Mackenzie in that sort of uh love from afar philosophy i love my parents i love my family but it's honestly very nice to get some work done and um yeah so i've just been honestly occupying my time with tutorial uh staying and i don't have a car so i haven't gone outside in weeks <laughs> that is rough um, I'm sorry to hear that. yeah no it's, it's it's fine i like i mean i go out in the patio and stuff i just haven't been
1: like out on the streets <laughs> totally fair well i'm happy here that both of you guys are safe and happy right now at home so that's great Um, I, I too, also subscribe to the philosophy of loving my family from afar, but unfortunately, that's not an option for me right now, so I'm very much loving them from close distance. (laughs) But just really quickly, Marina, what kind of dog do you have? Because I also have a dog at home, and he's been filling a whole bunch of my time.
2: Sure, uh, yeah, so we have a, a Boston Terrier and Shih Tzu mix at home. Um, and he is very, very fluffy, and he has turned into a mop recently because he has not <laughs> been able to get a haircut much like the rest of us.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can definitely empathize with that. I actually gave my dog a haircut while I've been home for the break, his first haircut ever. Um, and I don't think he was too pleased about it. He looked pretty pissed at me, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're all getting a little bit shaggy, so definitely. Um, and I guess just to transition from there have you guys been handling kind of this whole self isolation thing at home? Like I know it's important that we all do our little bit to make sure that we reduce contamination and exposure of other people, but uh, it can definitely take a mental toll on us sometimes. So just would like to check in quickly to see kind of how you guys are doing and the different activities and things that you might be doing to kind of keep yourselves occupied and happy and healthy.
3: Uh, so what this experience has really taught me is that apparently I've been socially isolating for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like um, I suppose really the only way that things have really changed has been like, obviously, I haven't been able to you know go to class or tutorial. And I used to go to trivia on Thursdays with my friends. Um, but, you know, now I just like play trivia with my housemate on Jeopardy. So it's... Um, It's been pretty similar. I definitely call my family more often now, though. You know, like it used to be, um, you know, like I lived in Kingston or I live here and I wouldn't talk to them for like two weeks and that felt totally normal. But now that you can't go see people, I find myself calling them like every day or every other day, which I think is nice. Like really not being able to see anybody really does make you appreciate the people that you do have in your life. And you do want to like, you know, reach out and just make sure everybody's doing okay.
1: Yeah, that's definitely been a common theme. I mean, I completely agree. I think that kind of the way that I've been reframing things for myself is just the the appreciation of having the the contact that I do get now and just really looking forward to seeing my friends physically in person one day, whenever that day comes. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows when that'll be, but we'll we'll get there and we'll all get there together and the online platforms are definitely helping. But Mm -hmm. uh, how about yourself, Marina? How have you been handling self-isolation?
2: Uh, Yeah, it has been an adventure in uh, figuring out which online platforms work and which will not cut out with the internet, you know, things like that. I've been doing a lot of um, online like jackbox parties, (laughs) which is really fun because it's all like through that internet interface anyways. And it it, it feels very much um, like you get a very nice sense of like, uh community and stuff like that um but yeah no totally echo what you guys have been saying i think almost paradoxically i think not being able to see people has really strengthened that sort of feeling of community because people are all kind of like bonding together and pitching in where they can and like reaching out and um talking to people and i just i find that really heartening i guess yeah so i think we're all dealing um as best we can
1: <laughs> yeah totally i I think uh, we're really adaptive humans in general and just like seeing the resilience of everyone that I know and just society at large has been a bit of a pleasure. I think it's like a silver lining that I love to kind of point back to whenever I'm feeling like there's a lot of bad things going on in the world. So I'm glad to hear that you guys also see that way. That's awesome. Um, But I guess with that extra free time, I've noticed that a lot of students have found ways to get involved um, in a non-clinical way because we're not allowed to see patients right now for everyone out there. So uh, all students, all medical learners have been kind of pulled from clinical environments just to make sure that we're not posing an extra threat to patients and also our colleagues. Um, and I definitely think it's the right decision. But what, what does suck about it is that we lose opportunities to learn during such a pivotal time. Um, and we also feel like we could be useful, but ultimately, I think we'd be a liability if we were out there. So, um, but we have found other ways to kind of help out wherever we can. And one of those things has been kind of supporting frontline healthcare workers and um, in, in sure, making sure that all their needs are met. Um, so I'd love to kind of hear from you guys about how this project that you've started, um, how it started, what the story of its inception has been, and kind of maybe a brief description of what the project entails.
3: Yeah, so I mean, I think it was, you know, kind of a big shock to everybody just how quickly classes shut down. I mean, I remember we were in the middle of the week, and no one had really talked about classes shutting down, and then what was it, Thursday, when they finally decided that Friday was going to be the last day. So I think we all finished and we're a little bit shell-shocked like you know you go into medicine you want to help people and all of a sudden you're not going to see your classmates you're not going to see patients you're not going to see your colleagues and i think it just left a lot of people like wondering what they could do and wondering how you could get involved and so for our organization or how i got involved personally i think it was the the sunday or this, no, it was the Saturday night of the first weekend, and Mary uh, Mary Bulos she posted on the Mac Med group about this new this new organization that was aiming specifically for med students to lend a hand and help our frontline colleagues, and so I immediately responded. You know, just looking for that way that you can give back and not feel quite so helpless, and um, so I know she got the the inspiration. I think from a program that originally started at Western. But you know, then from there we've we've built it up and it's changed so many times, you know, as as the situation's evolved. But yeah, it's just been a really good way for for us to feel involved, for us to, you know, communicate with like the front frontline health workers and other students. And it's you know, the the involvement of the community has just been really, really encouraging.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. And Marina, would you like to outline maybe kind of what the needs of the front frontline healthcare workers have been and kind of how you guys have tried to mobilize assets and try to meet those needs? Uh,
2: yeah. So initially, um, I think going into this, we thought that we would uh, mostly be providing things like grocery runs, um, coffee runs, food deliveries, things like that, um, to sort of fill in uh, the gaps when, um, you know, if someone is really busy at a shift and They don't have the time to run out and do their groceries, things like that. Um, But I think think what has happened is that in terms of the cases in Ontario, it hasn't really been um, as high as I think some people have predicted. So what ended up really happening was that the the biggest need initially that we encountered was that because daycares and schools all shut down essentially at the same time, um, a lot of healthcare workers were left without um, resources to uh, fill their childcare needs. Um, so we ended up being kind of like an informal babysitter club, as we joked about sometimes, which I think we didn't anticipate at first, but we tried our best to shift sort of to accommodate that. And try and provide the best care that we could. Um, and then I think we quickly realized that we ended up having to be kind of a stopgap in place because there was that really, like as Mackenzie mentioned, it was really, really rapid that sort of initial warning, and then schools just all shut down, um, and people were left in the lurch. And we saw that gap, so we tried our best to fill specifically that at first, but. As the situation evolves, we've been sort of seeing where else we can fill in gaps and provide, um, uh, yeah, just whatever healthcare workers need.
1: Yeah, I think that's been kind of the most impressive thing about the entire initiative is just how rapidly things have changed and how your team has been able to kind of balance what the students can do and what the healthcare workers need. Um, and I think grassroots initiatives are so important because. Like you said, it's really easy for us because we get to see we're in a really unique place as students where we're kind of in the middle. We get to see what it's like to be a front care health worker. We're also fortunate enough that we get to take a step back um, and kind of see it from the outside. And so seeing it from the outside, we can recognize these needs and kind of fill them and mobilize assets as they're needed. So I think speaking for, for someone from someone who's had the opportunity to sign up on one of these lists and be part of your initiative I think it's been an amazing way for me personally to feel like I'm also making some sort of difference because I can totally empathize with the feeling of frustration knowing that kind of we're sitting back at home and some of our mentors and our colleagues are out there on the front lines and they're really doing everything they can to make a difference. Um, so I'd just like to say thank you to, you to you guys, first of all, for like helping to organize it and giving all the students at MacMED at least and the rest of the schools as well a forum to kind of go ahead and, and make that difference. So thank you.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much. But honestly, like, you know, people can start a thousand initiatives, but if we don't have like the people to pick up on it, and if we didn't have like the incredible generosity of our volunteers, like none of this would have been possible. So we've had, I think right now we're over 200 people who've signed up and just generously, you know, donating their time to watch people's kids, watch people's pets, do groceries, just really the outpouring of support and just goodwill from students um, you know, we've actually had to we turn away volunteers because originally we started with med students and then we shifted to health professional students. And last week, we finally opened the gates to the very eager health size to try to uh, meet some of the additional demand. And we would get so many emails of people being like, oh, well, I'm an undergrad. Oh, I go to a different school. Oh, I'm not a student at all. But can I help? Can I help? And, you know, like, it's, it's the volunteers who really get things done. And people have just been looking for ways that they can get involved and and just do their part. And it's been really, really encouraging.
1: Um, So we've seen kind of as this virus and the pandemic has changed um, and the governmental response to the pandemic has changed, that the needs of the healthcare frontline workers has changed as well and evolved throughout the process. So I'm just wondering, right now it's about April 13th, so we're in mid-April, just for some context. Um, What are the most pressing needs for healthcare workers right now in your guys' assessment and kind of how are you aiming to address those needs?
2: I think right now we've been seeing a slow sort of shift as people start to find alternate childcare that is a bit more permanent. Because I think we're all sort of realizing how permanent, or not permanent, but like how long lasting this sort of crisis is going to be, right? And I think right now a lot of healthcare workers, like we have been seeing more uh, need for supplies and things like that. And I think one um, sort of thing that we've noticed from our our side is that people like not so much they they need like community help but I think other initiatives things like the PPE drive and volunteering at shelters and things like that I think we're going to start seeing a shift towards more things like that as a more permanent um long-term volunteer process I guess yeah but like definitely uh, more people with 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 like pet care needs more people with things like that will require more like long-term investment, I think is what we're starting to see.
3: Yeah, so that's a really good point, Marina. Um, and I think another really important thing to consider is that we have the needs of the healthcare workers which are evolving every day, but we also have the realities that are faced by students. So you know, you mentioned how it's April 13th, you know, different undergraduate students may be, um, like now that we've opened it up to health size, they might be going through their exams or for med students. Um, depending on how your lease works or where you're choosing to um, do your self isolation, you might be still in Hamilton, or you may be going home. And so, uh, we've really tried to structure our um, our service as sort of, especially in the childcare realm, as a stopgap because it happened so fast for childcare workers and they were left, or not child workers, healthcare workers, and they were left in the lurch and they had that immediate need for childcare. But now. We are actually no longer taking new signups for child care because our volunteers are going home and now we have mf4 and it's it's you know quite a, a high workload and so we were really proud of being able to provide that like three three and a half weeks where we were doing child care um but just the the realities of the situation on the ground have changed a bit and so now we are um strictly focusing on doing those uh shorter term supports like pet care or grocery runs or pharmacy pickups and some of our volunteers who had previously signed up to do childcare have been able to continue volunteering with those families since we, we connected them. But we're just, we're not setting up any new matches for that anymore.
1: So that kind of brings me to my next question. And it's also about the kind of uncertainty. And we talked a little bit about how this has turned into a much more long-term scenario than maybe a lot of us imagined, my, myself included. Um, and as the kind of new reality has set in and new norms have, have started to set up, What do you guys see the future of this project being? How is this gonna evolve and morph into something that students can continue to help with?
2: I think we're going to uh, focus on uh, essentially trying to be like a quick resource for healthcare workers to be able to turn to. Um, And I think you're absolutely right in that the situation is constantly evolving and we're seeing so many changes. And I think the number one thing that we want to be focusing on moving forward is uh, that adaptability. Um, And I think since its inception, um, this project has really been so many different things. And now we're really focusing on having like we know we have really reliable volunteers um, and we really want to sort of be able to, you know, if someone needs a quick grocery run done or if someone is out of toilet paper or out of Lysol or something like that and needs someone to go scour the supermarkets for uh, those supplies. Um, just having sort of a reservoir of volunteers who we know are are both like educated in like safe, sort of uh, how to interact at the grocery store, uh, social distancing rules, contactless delivery, and are reliable and can do that on the fly, I think is what we're going to end up pivoting towards. But again, I don't wanna say definitively we know exactly what the future is going to look like. So again, I think really the adaptability uh, aspect of it is what we're really gonna focus on the most. Keep our eyes on the ground and see how the situation evolves and just see what healthcare workers need and how and where we can really best help.
1: Well, for one, I'm excited to see kind of which direction the project heads in. And like you said, adaptability is so important and you guys are doing an amazing job. So hats off to you for continually improving and changing the way you guys are doing things. And in really being response responding to the the changing context and environment around you guys, um, so I guess an, another question that I would have is so a lot of students have found their way to get involved, um, whether that be through this project or others. Um, but is there a certain way that you think students should be aiming? Um, maybe medical students specifically, and also we can open up to broad broader as well. But how can students kind of make the best use of this time and? feel like they're actually being a part of the effort to 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 fight COVID-19. What's the best way they they can go ahead and fight it?
3: I totally want to answer that question, but I think I want to start by saying that I think everyone needs to be patient with themselves and that we need to realize that this is a very difficult time, potentially a very, you know, traumatic time, whether you have, you know, family or friends who are working on the front lines or you are related to, you know, someone who may be elderly or immunocompromised or even just if you're having a tough time, because this is a complete disruption of life, we need to be patient with ourselves. And if, you know, doing MF4 and just trying to get a good night's sleep and just literally living day to day is is how you're dealing with this pandemic. Like, I think no one should feel bad about that and no one should feel pressured to, you know, try try to do more because they have that opinion that we're med students and we should. So I just want, applaud everybody for all the you know all the adjustments that they had to make and and how strong and adaptable everyone is being like there are many different ways that you can get involved but I think the most important thing to do is we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of the people that we care about so just you know checking in on your friends and family making those phone calls and you know being a an ear to listen or a shoulder to cry on even if it's a socially distanced shoulder to cry on, um, I think is a really important first step for anybody, whether they're going to get involved in a more formal volunteer capacity or not.
1: Yeah, kindness has been the theme, I think, that we're seeing popping up everywhere in in different carnations. And just being there for your friends and family is definitely the the most important first step. So I'm really happy that you shared that. Um, Thank you for that. But uh, kind of on that note, if if people would like to learn more about your initiative, is there a website or a social media platform or a certain place that they can find you? Um, And how would you like them to connect with you?
2: Uh, Yeah. So right now we're mostly taking in um, volunteers through our intake form. And also we have a form for healthcare workers that goes kind of goes through all our policies and basically everything we're doing and uh, how they. So there's like a separate form for volunteers and how they can help out and then there's another forum for healthcare workers uh, who can basically submit a request for us to f- uh, fill. Um, and we'd be happy to provide that uh, for you guys to put like in your show notes or something at the end. Um, and I think most of us are on Twitter as well. We don't have a formal um, like social media platform for the project in specific, but I think a lot of us individually are on Twitter. Uh, so. You know, if you wanted to contact us there at any time for questions, uh, we also have an, uh, a Gmail address that we can that we can take questions from. I don't actually remember what the. Uh, yeah, it's just maxstudentsforhcps for HCPs at Gmail dot com. So any questions, concerns, comments really can be directed there.
1: Awesome. So like you said, we'll definitely link all of that information below in the show notes. We'll, you can all, we'll also make a blog post on our website and make sure to share on all of our social media. So if you're looking for ways to get in contact, just check out the ID podcast and all social media platforms, but also the Gmail address that was just provided. Um, so I guess on that note, we're going to close the conversation. But thank you so much for joining us today digitally in studio from uh, distances that are safe to not expose each other. Um, it's been a great opportunity to catch up with you. I see some friendly faces, which is so awesome. And kind of breaking up the monotony of living at home uh, has been great. So thank you for bringing me some joy today, guys.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us. This has been a really great way to procrastinate starting my next tutorial.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Muscular anatomy is a little bit all rated anyway, but don't tell the admin that I said that.
3: Uh, <laughs> knees and shoulders. Like I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be fine.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. If there's any parting words you'd like to share, now's the time. Um, If not, then we can definitely connect on social media.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We um, really appreciate getting the opportunity to just chat and talk about the project. And it's been definitely
1: a bright light in my day. (laughs) Awesome. Well, keep up the amazing work, guys. We're really excited to see all the work you put in. Um, And on that note, this has been the ID podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We are going to continue to share stories about medicine and the people behind them. Um, So join in next week. Thank you.
0: Wow. So listening back from about a month ago, it seems like online Zoom University is still going, going strong, still practicing my hand ties with floss. Thanks for that shout out there, Grinder, uh, outing me like that. Uh, but yeah, what a great interview.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And a little fun fact about the interview that the people at home maybe didn't get to see. Uh, Mackenzie was actually working on her surgical skills quite a bit during that interview. She was uh, knitting away. So a person with multitasking abilities. Yeah,
0: and uh, I know. I think it highlights like some things. Some things don't change, but things are changing. In in the last month, do you want to just tell our listeners what how the dynamic has changed for
1: healthcare workers and childcare, et cetera, grinder? For sure. I mean, we we stressed it a lot during the interview. The student response has been one to kind of fill in the cracks as they start to appear in the general response that our entire country has has been taking. And uh, I'm happy to report this is actually good news that the initiative is no longer needed and they're no longer uh, accepting new volunteers or accepting new healthcare workers to sign up to receive their services. And the reason why I say that that's a good thing, while it might sound bad, is that the government has actually stepped in and recognized that a lot of the services that these groups were providing are very valuable and should be done on a national level and in a much more integrated and kind of coordinated way. So yes, the government has provided childcare and other such initiatives to all the frontline staff and filled those needs. So thank you to the student groups who've been working hard, but uh, unfortunately, there's no longer a need for them. So there's no volunteer sign up that we mentioned in the podcast.
0: Yeah, and I think that, I think that is a good news. And I think that just highlights that our classmates recognized a need, filled the gap in the meantime, and were able to provide for the Hamilton community. Uh, Now we'll just move on to our little padded fact check. Not too many fact checks that uh, were put out there today. Uh, One thing we did want to note was it may sound to people how this isn't really maintaining social distancing guidelines. This was actually something that we had a discussion with the organizers of the initiative and they really did make an effort to pair one-to-one volunteer or two-to-one to one -one family and not really uh, spreading COVID further. I think that's one thing that social distancing was practice as much as possible and when childcare is provided it's longitudinal and they're there with the family for very long for a long time and really limiting extra exposure um I think that was the difficulty of like trying to maintain it to um medical students uh, because of the fact like the background checks that we do and the police checks and vulnerable sectors checks and that's why you might have mentioned Mackenzie say opening the door to health size that's a colloquial term used at McMaster for the students in the health sciences program the undergraduate program and I think that that was not available to them as an option because of the sort of uh, legal and sort of safety concerns that was around that uh, and finally, one last little fact check. Mac loves our acronyms. We said MF4. All that really means is we're in our fourth medical foundation, four or five. Time's really been flying. So if
1: that confused you, that's what MF4 meant. Absolutely. Thank you for that, that uh, quick fact check. It's always nice to make sure everyone's on the same page. We do have some, a couple more thank yous to hand out. Thank you so much to our guests once again, Marina and Mackenzie, for joining us in studio virtually. Also, a big thank you to the rest of the response team. There's a whole bunch of members that we wanted to hear from, but unfortunately, weren't able to get on the interview. They're still working hard at all their jobs currently, and we'd just like to give them a quick shout out. So thank you to the supervisor, Dr. Lauren Cook-Kaimowitz. Thank you to Mary, Francis, Marina, Mackenzie, and Ben, as well as their volunteer coordinators, Brian, Carly, Emma, Jessica, Marouf, and Omri. You guys are all doing amazing work, and it's definitely being recognized. So thank you. Apart from the response team, there are a whole bunch of other initiatives that are being run by students as well as just regular everyday people. And they've also been making huge changes. We'd like to highlight a couple. And i just also like to note that we can't make an inclusive list of everybody. So if I don't mention you, we do appreciate you. We see the work that you're doing. Please continue it. But some groups to highlight. The PPE Drive, who we actually had a great chance to interview and unfortunately lost the recording. Oof, maybe we'll do a bonus episode one day. We'll have to see. The Bag Half Full Initiative, Conquer COVID. 3D PPE, COVID change makers, and finally some others that we didn't get to mention. Yeah, and just
0: before we sign off, we really wanted to thank you, the listeners, for continuing to follow social proper social distancing guidelines, uh, washing your hands, being safe, and really like listening to the public health measures that have taken place. I think that uh, we're really doing our effort to really flatten the curve. And for those who feel pressure, to uh, wanna do more and help. I think that that's really great that you have that sort of mentality, but at the end of the day, staying home, staying safe, being with your loved ones, protecting those around you is already doing a fantastic job to do your part in the kind of global worldwide effort to stop the spread of COVID-19.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Namin. So everyone, please work continue working away. I know we're starting to get to the stage one of reopening, But now it's more important than ever to continue to use those proper, safe protocols and limit exposure. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. We'd love to point you towards some of our social media accounts where we can interact and get to know you a little bit better. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and wherever else you can find podcasts at The ID Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Do you have any positive news stories that you'd like to share with us? Some initiatives that you'd like for us to highlight in a future episode? Well, we'd love to hear from you. So mention us on Twitter and shoot us a DM. Finally, thank you so much to the amazing team that made this episode possible. Our episode director this week was me, Garinder Our hosts were Numan and, and, once again, myself, Garinder Research director was Jenny Zhu. Editor was Isabella Stefanova. Our music was also, once again, brought to you by Isabella Stefanova. And finally, a thank you to the rest of the team who make this podcast possible on a day-to-day basis, Daniel, Mike, Priscilla, and Lucy.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. And tune in a couple weeks from now where we have a brand new episode of of the ID podcast, where we highlight the stories of medicine and the people behind it. Stay safe, everyone.